But I do want to start, of course, with the big news today. Now, Jim Beheim came on the show last week. Always have fun talking to the coach. And I didn't even ask him about this. He just kind of was discussing some things about, okay, here's what we're doing, and we're recruiting, and we're going forward. And he brought up the news we heard today. He, he knew this was coming. He knew that the NCAA Board of Governors was meeting and kind of looked ahead and said, okay, there's going to be a decision about name, image, and likeness rights. And he circled back to kind of how he feels about it overall. So it's about a two-minute clip here, but uh, certainly always well worth it to listen to Coach Beheim's thoughts on the big issues in college sports. And here's what he said about the not the news specifically we heard today, but knowing that this announcement was coming. He said this last week right here on the block. There's a lot of arguments and disagreements about the rights of players. I think that rights has got to go to federal, you know, to, to, to Congress to come up with some uniform uh, passageway for kids to get their rights. And I think right now Congress is too busy to worry about. I was going to say, yeah, that that, that, that conversation's <laughs> changed dramatically in the last month. Not only because Congress has a few other things to do, but people are wondering about finances of, of athletic departments, and we're wondering about football and when that starts. And it seems like so many things are so uncertain that that'll get addressed, but maybe that, that well, kind of fell down the, the priority list, right? I think it's going to be addressed. I think they need a year to work it out. So I think next year it will it will worry it will pass it will be it will be granted. Obviously, there's a lot of crazy things that could happen in that, and uh, you know we'll just have to wait and see. But um, I think that it, it's even among the people who are trying to formulate this plan, there's huge disparity of how you do this. You know, there's a kid, and you're going to be comfortable with. The quarterback in the hundred thousand dollar commercial at Alabama, and the uh, you know the lineman getting nothing or a thousand. I mean, there's so many things about you know in professional sports, the quarterback gets paid a lot of money, and the lineman, even though they don't get paid as much money as the quarterback, they get paid. So there's there's just so many things that that come into play with the image and likeness thing. Um, it'll be, I don't know how they'll work it out. It will get worked out somehow, but it'll, it will not be easy. And there will be a lot of hurdles in there as, as it goes along. A lot to take in there and always appreciate uh, Coach Beheim's perspective on, on things like this. So I'll tell you what the NCAA said today. Dan Murphy of ESPN is going to join us tomorrow. He's been covering this as well as anybody, in my opinion. So we can kind of lay out some things for us, specifically where this is going to go, when it gets voted on, and some other specifics. When we talk to Dan tomorrow, and I'll give you a little bit of what he wrote about this here shortly, but on what Coach Beheim said there, I, I just have to address that in, in a couple ways. It didn't really occur to me when I was talking to Coach about this last week, and don't, don't take this as a criticism, because Coach is right in the sense that this is not going to be easy to figure out. The NCAA was using terms today in their press briefing like guardrails, right? Gene Smith, the athletic director at Ohio State, was saying there's going to be no cap on what players can make, but yet there's restrictions on what they can use, how they can use it. They can't associate themselves with the school. It's like, okay, so for example, you can have player X from a school, and I'm just using this as an example. Tommy DeVito goes to a local car dealership. If the local car dealership wants to promote that appearance, they can say he's from Syracuse, but they can't use any Syracuse University logos or official kind of 
it's like when you see those generic commercials. You see, like, hey, that's Cam Newton in a commercial, but they can't use any officially licensed NFL logos or anything. It's just you're hoping the person has enough brand awareness that you're like, okay, I know who that is, and I don't need the Carolina Panthers uniform he wears to tell me who it is, right? But on that note, Jim brought up the example in there about, okay, well, the quarterback at Alabama is going to get this much money, but what about the offensive lineman? And the answer I would have to that is that's the beauty of the free market. That's the beauty of allowing these athletes to use whatever status they have to take in name, image, and likeness rights. That's the whole point of what your brand, what your name, image, and likeness is. The second thing I would, I would say, a specific example like that, is I think we are underestimating where these student-athletes know they stand. The offensive lineman at Alabama knows he's not as big of a deal as the quarterback. The 13th guy on the bench at Syracuse basketball knows he's not as big of a deal as Elijah Hughes. They know this. Does certain things create... uh, How can I... How can I phrase this better? Do certain things status-wise, playing time, status on campus, how many girls you get to go out with, right? How many people fawn over you on campus, ask for your autograph, whatever the case may be. That creates certain jealousies anyway. That creates a certain dynamic on a team as it is. Now add money to the mix, and that can certainly complicate things. But these kids aren't dumb. They know where they stand in this, and that's the beauty of what a coach has to do, if that's Jim Beheim or any coach, right? You have to take all the different personalities, all the different walks of life they come from, the status that they have on the team, and make them work towards a common goal, right? It's what's been fascinating, and I know this is professional sports, but watching The Last Dance recently. All these amazing personalities on this team, egos and money and everything, and Phil Jackson just found a way to make it work, right? That's the challenge of a coach. Here's what I'll add to what Jim said, that specific example. What I think we're forgetting, and we could sit here and think of examples all day, but I wouldn't put it past the quarterback at Alabama to say, okay, local car dealership, I would love to do this commercial for you, but I'm not doing it without my offensive line. Those are my guys. They're in the commercial. And by the way, we all get paid the same. I wouldn't put it past a player on a Syracuse basketball team, and I don't want to say any specific names because I don't want to speak for them. But for example, okay, local car dealership comes to Elijah Hughes. Hey, we love you. We think you're great. We want to put you in a commercial. Cool. Not doing it without the whole team. That's what sports teaches us, that yes, certain players have status. Certain players are more important than others and are better than others, but... You hear stories all the time about team unity and how it's formed and how that star player doesn't have the star ego, right? I think this creates more opportunities than problems. It is long overdue. And if you studied the history of the NCAA and studied how the term student-athlete came to be, and I don't have time to get into that now, but it's certainly worth doing. The fact that Today, April 29, 2020, is the first time that this came to be. Is It's just stunning to me. It took Ed O'Bannon, UCLA, having his likeness used in a video game, suing the NCAA, going against the mighty beast the NCAA is, fighting for years to get what was rightfully his and didn't necessarily even get it, right? It took people like Jay Billis of ESPN exposing 
the hypocrisy in this, what the NCAA was doing, the money they were making. And remember, when we talk about the NCAA, it is an easy villain to point to and say, ah, the big bad NCAA. They do have a brick-and-mortar building in Indianapolis. They do have a president, but the NCAA is the schools, right? So when we're saying the NCAA, the bad, big bad NCAA, we're talking about the system. We're talking about the whole thing here, right? Let the free market bear it. I'm not saying there shouldn't be restrictions on this, of course. Well, what about boosters? Yeah, that's something they're going to have to figure out. And on that, I say, you know, good luck to you. But that happens now. We're not naive that certain players get certain things behind the scenes now. By formalizing it, putting it in public, putting it in the free market, it takes the black market aspect not completely out of the picture, but it weakens the picture. And not only that, this is timely in the sense that the G League is stepping up and offering money to high-level five-star prospects that otherwise would be in college basketball. Football is still football, and college football is, is the best place for any prospect that hopes to make it to the National Football League to be. Right? There is no G League of football. Even the XFL and some of these other things, you would have to play college football first to get there. So it doesn't necessarily affect that more than basketball. It just affects the kind of money they can get outside of what they're getting in scholarship and tuition money. And for those that say, and I always get the phone call from somebody, well, don't they get tuition and a scholarship? That's enough rot there. No, it's 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 really not. When you consider how they're being marketed, how they're being used, what their status is, and that any other student at that school can use that status to profit off whatever name, image, and likeness they can create for themselves. But because this kid's getting a scholarship, he can't? That's never made sense. Never. So I think kids know there's kind of a, you know, there's a system here. There's a caste system, if you will. The quarterback is more important than the 53rd guy on the roster. And in college football, it's 96 guys, right? And if coaches have had the opportunity to do this, to use their name, image, and likeness beyond the deals they have with the individual schools, to go out there and get commercial money and do this, this is all I think people have ever asked for. I'm glad that we have centered the conversation, and this is not about paying athletes. It's not about dividing up the pie. School gets X number of television dollars. That gets divided evenly amongst the athletes. That would never work, and it would never make sense. This is not socialism. This is a free market society we're in. So good on the NCAA. Good on everybody that needs to be applauded here. It is way too late, but better late than never. And it's just ridiculous that they had to be shamed into doing this. They had to be exposed slowly but surely. This has been a slow drip over I don't know how many years you want to put on this, but it's accelerated in recent years for a number of reasons, some of which I mentioned, others that I didn't. The NCAA, it's very hard, and again, when I say that, we're talking about the schools here, but the organization itself, too. They were always about control, what they can control, how they could control it, and it grew to the point that the athletes that were out there, the unpaid labor out there making that money for those schools became valuable enough had enough leverage to push back in some ways themselves and others on their behalf to say it's time. 
So that's encouraging. The news was good today, and it, they're not even voting on anything yet. You heard the, the clip there from Bayheim about how Congress will have to get involved, and boy, when's that going to get on the agenda, considering they've got bigger fish to fry right now, and frankly, considering it's Congress, right? Like, that makes me nervous. But state legislatures, individual states have stepped up. That's, again, another reason that the NCAA had to do this. That's why I'm hesitant to congratulate them. You had your hand forced. You had your hand forced by smart people that knew otherwise, by state legislatures, by governors, enacting legislation to say, if you're not going to do it, we will. Gavin Newsom in California, Florida, other states that put bills into place that student-athletes would have the opportunity to profit off their name, image, and likeness in this state. And for Mark Emmert and other people out there, to and this is what they do. It's fear tactics. That's one of the things they said. Well, you can't have 50 different laws in 50 different states about this. Um, excuse me? <laughs> That's called life. We do that all the time. There are different laws in different states about so many walks of life, as we're finding out, right, in, in the coronavirus era, different procedures about what's different different states can do. And guess what? It all works. Relatively, right? Some of them are flawed, and that's why we have discussions and laws get passed, and, and it's not a flawless system by any stretch of the imagination. But this whole, like, well, we can't have 50 different rules about there. There'll be chaos. That's what they always say. Oh, there'll be chaos, right? Now, I think we, we evolve, and we find a way through it. It will not be perfect. It will be messy. We'll have to figure this out. It will not take corruption out of the sport, but nothing ever has. Nothing worth it is easy. So who I'd rather congratulate are the people that made this happen, that brought it to the forefront, the Sonny Vaccaros of the world, the Ed O'Bannons of the world, the Jay Billises of the world, the people that saw this for what it is, the former athletes and even sometimes the current athletes that spoke out about this and changed our minds on this and educated us on this is what we're missing out on because the defense was always propaganda. The defense was always the NCAA wanting control. They get scholarships and all these ridiculous arguments about amateurism that died a long time ago. And I get that is the appeal of college sports. I understand some people are going to be hesitant to lose that. There's a difference between college sports and professional sports. There is. There's a different feel when you're at a Syracuse University game as opposed to a Buffalo Bills game. And I understand that, and and that's going to be interesting to see how we figure that out. But those lines have never been more blurred than in the moment we're in right now. So it made sense to go forward this way. It is now incumbent upon the universities themselves, the system, the NCAA, whoever else you want to point at here, to maintain that feel of college sports. And that's not going to go away. Being a proud alum of Syracuse University or whatever school you went to, the marching band playing, the feel on campus on a game day, trudging through the snow with 30,000 people to go to a college basketball game, but now some of the players on the floor may be making some money off the name, image, and likeness that the school has been profiting off them, that's going to change the feel of the sport? I don't think so. It, it certainly will change it in some ways, but... For those that just want to go to one extreme or the other, well, now it's just professional sports. I got news for you. It's been that way for years. And if you 
wanted to live in this fantasy world of this is amateurism, this is college sports, about the love of the game. I'm sorry, that ship sailed long ago. All we're asking for and all that's happening today is the unpaid labor has the opportunity in a free market to profit off their name, their image, and their likeness, which the schools and the coaches have been doing for years. We're always a pleasure to welcome on my friend and colleague from Syracuse.com. You should follow him on Twitter, and of course, you should read his work at Syracuse.com. Chris Carlson back on the block. How are you, sir? Brent, it is wonderful to be talking sports. Yes, uh, real for, actual for, for sports me, For me, the first time in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Feels good. The draft, this comes along. Yeah, it's like when you go to the grocery store these days, some aisles are a little more bare than others, but it's nice when you find what you're looking for. So we found some sports today. That That's that's very encouraging news in, in one sense. And, Chris, it's a, it's a discussion and a topic that you know, we've really been building to this, right? And when the actual format of what this is going to be comes out it'll be you know more intriguing and and certainly more detailed than this but where we're at today how did you take in the announcement and and what the the ncaa wants to do with this um you know it's so hard to know because the guardrails determine everything and all they really said was we're going to have guardrails so, so those guardrails could they could try to limit almost everything um, that, that a college athlete could do, um, or they could, you know, open it up and, and treat it like a free market uh, economy and, and let athletes do almost whatever they want. Um, certainly, you know, we all knew something was going to change, and that the NCA was in a position where, where colleges were going to have to allow athletes a little bit more freedom. Um, but we're still, I think, in a situation where colleges are, are going to try to determine how much freedom uh, of, you know, how much financial freedom and, and financial rights they can restrict and kind of get away with it without the state interjecting on behalf of, of college athletes. So now they've got to hash out how it's going to be done. And as you said, that term that they used a bunch today, the guardrails in place. Now, Gene Smith, on one hand, said uh, there will be no cap on how much money they can make, but the guardrails and and how this process will go about, uh, that's going to be the interesting thing here. And one thing they put in the release today was basically like, you know, and I'm just using him as an example, Tommy DeVito can go make an appearance at a local car dealership, right? But he can't use the logos or any of the official, like, Syracuse University trademark stuff, right? You basically have to hope that people know who this is based on his name and and, and what he looks like. So the association of the schools being involved in this, it seems like they're still trying to kind of put that just some separation between that and basically you're using your name image and likeness not your status as a syracuse university athlete as an example yeah and and that makes sense in that you know the schools have the right to market the school brands um they want to be the ones that, that market um the official you know whatever of syracuse university the official you know si- signing autograph signing of the Syracuse football team. Um, you know, the schools want to kind of retain the ability to do that for themselves. Um, and that's very, very reasonable. Um, the one thing that, that interested me, right, Gene Smith, you mentioned, said that there's no cap to what athletes can make. Um, 
but they are they did say that that they might have some oversight of what um they can be paid for certain things, right? That it has to be a fair market uh, price so that, you know, a booster in Kentucky cannot decide to just pay, you know, $500,000 for one commercial. Um, There's at least talk that there would be, you know, oversight over that sort of thing. So, you know, if if they decide that a commercial is worth $2,000, you would have to do a lot of commercials to make an unlimited amount of money. I think that's fair, and I think that's where if they're going to put guardrails in, to use that term, or limits of some sort, that's where you do it. And you know, and we can think of 100 examples, and that's what they're going to spend the next few months yep. doing here before they vote on it. But one thing that uh, I, I talked to Coach Beheim last week, and he said, well, as an example, what about the quarterback at Alabama? He gets $100,000, and what does the lineman get, right? And I guess my response to that would be, generally, like that's what the market bears, and I think... I think the athletes know kind of where they stand, right, Chris? But I think you know. Again, let's let's use an example here. I think if you're a play, you're player X, and you get offered to do a commercial. Let's just use Tommy DeVito as an example, and he says, "You know, that's great. I'd love to do your commercial, but I'm not doing it without my offensive line. I want my teammates there, yeah. and I want them to get paid too." I think this could open up some opportunities for those guys down the bench that don't have the star status. Right, and I completely agree with that. And right, a lot of coaches and a lot of voices I've heard have said, "Oh, you know, what are you going to do? What's going to happen to the teamwork and the camaraderie when when Tommy DeVito, in your example, is making all that much money?" But to your point, if Tommy DeVito decides to bring along his five offensive linemen, what a great way to build camaraderie! There's a quarterback who's looking out for the five guys who look out for him. Um, you know, so so it goes both ways. Uh, it, it's just up to the players to kind of use this power or, or this these rights that they have um, in the appropriate manner. Um, and whether that makes it better for a team or worse for a team is kind of up to the members of the team, um, which I think is pretty American. You know, yes. <laughs> we we have we have rights in this country. Uh, we exert them, and depending on how we exert them, things are, are better or worse. And I, I, I'm not speaking of anybody specifically here, but I think a lot of the examples coaches put out there, they're, they're worried about that their job's getting harder. And I don't blame them for that, Chris. I mean, you have it this, it will. the transfer rule in college basketball, that's about to blow up. Uh, May 20th is the date where that could be voted on, and the transfer portal is going to be flooded even more. It's it's a lot more complicated to be a college coach these days in football, basketball, whatever the case may be. The oversight, uh, the, the the rules, and 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 Jim Beheim fell into this trap in terms of you know basically if it happens on your watch, it's, it's your fault in the eyes of the NCAA. So I get the the concern there. There's a lot more they've got to look out for these days. Yeah, no, there's there's no question that that it it is going to make managing athletes time more difficult. Um, it's good. It has the potential to make managing egos, um, more difficult. Um, but you know what, like, that's why you get paid millions of dollars and it's just, you know, players exerting their rights. If that makes, you know, your life a little bit more difficult, that's, we all deal with difficulties with our jobs. Um, you know, and, that, and that's something that comes with it. Chris Carlson's our guest here from Syracuse.com. Chris, you and I and uh, some other local media members were on, uh, as we do these days, a Zoom call with John Wildhack last week. And 
I appreciate John doing that, even though a lot of the answers to the questions are, well, we don't know. Because, well, we don't know, yeah. right? We're still kind of trying to see how this all falls into place. But what were some of the takeaways from that media session with John and as you wrote about on Syracuse.com where we did get answers, where you got a sense of, okay, this is something that is interesting to me that we do know? Um, you know, I think just the big takeaway for me is just, you know, everybody who is in charge of college athletics, um, you know, they're going to find a way to have a football season. Um, there is too much money kind of at stake, even from the television side, but, but, you know, combined fans and television, but, but just from the television side, there's too much money at stake for them to not play football. Um, we're going to get that in some capacity. It could happen in the fall. It could happen in the spring. It could happen in front of fans. It could happen in empty stadiums. Um, but the fact that, you know, John Wildhack said we have done no to- no work considering our budget, you know, if there's no football. Um, I think that's a pretty good indication that they are going to find a way to play as much football um, as they possibly can. Yeah, definitely a big takeaway. The other one for me, and Syracuse is in a, a position where they don't have as many sports as some of the other major Power yep. 5 schools, but no sports will be cut. Uh, this yep. is gonna, looking like it's going to be pretty standard, but... Uh, Babers, Bayheim, Q, Gate, Desco all got 10% pay cuts. Wildhack himself as well. And it, it seems like, and I, I felt like he, I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this. Like you said, football is the sport that's got to carry it all. But I got a sense from him, and, and he has to be careful what he says publicly, but I did get a sense from him, and I don't know if you did too, Chris, like, look, we're going to be playing games. Like when, when this all yeah. settles back in the fall, we're going to be playing games one way or the other. Yeah, um, and the other thing, you know, as you're talking about that, it prompted me. I mean, I, I think John Wildhack is operating, and I think it's correct. Like, Syracuse Athletics is going to be fine. Um, nobody needs to worry about any, like, long-term problems. Um, and the fact that leadership is approaching it that way is, is you know, correct. Uh, they might lose some money this year, um, but that is a one-time kind of thing and then it's all going to return to the way it was so are you going to take you know are you going to make kind of overreaching steps and cut programs you know to to deal with one year uh, a one-year problem no you're going to you know weather it the best that you can um you know with pay cuts and and kind of cost containment and then eventually it's going to go back to normal where syracuse had a very good and very you know functional athletic department um you know so i think john kind of exuded that confidence that there's not going to be any kind of crazy overreactions here um which in my opinion you know the programs that that drop or the schools that dropped programs you know old dominion and, and cincinnati um i know they're not power five schools so so the huge money isn't there at the end of the day um but to to drop programs over kind of a one-year problem um Seems would seem short-sighted to me, and, and it's very good that Syracuse hasn't even talked about it. Chris, the million-dollar question is if they're going to play football on the date they were supposed to here, but construction uh, forges on with the Carrier Dome, the last piece of the truss system on top of the roof went in, and it, and it just feels like that. It, it, 
it's nice to talk about something where they are making progress, where it is going forward, and they are kind of looking ahead on something here. It appears all is, uh, is as well as can be in the Carrier Dome construction right now. Yeah, the most interesting you know thing that, that kind of came out of that is, is they're still shooting for kind of September 19th. Um, for for the dome to be ready um, for that date. Now, until until those football games, you know, officially get postponed or that season gets moved back, if that happens, you know, Syracuse kind of has to operate to, to make sure that that building is ready uh, for that date. Um, but you know, a little optimistic to, to hear that the pizza has not been told, hey, you can slow down this project or or take a few extra weeks if you need. They're still going as if they're going to play that day. Chris, as we all have these days, uh, we've waded into uh, non-sports things and, and uh, so much to cover here with what's going on with coronavirus and how it affects life in central New York. But, but none of what we discussed happens unless students are on campus, right? So you yeah. wrote about this today. Kent Severud, in a recent interview, says they're planning on resuming classes on campus in the fall unless the governor or health officials step in and say you can't, right? Yeah, um, you know, uh, again, the NCAA, especially because of, of we talk amateurism, um, you know, they have to take the welfare um, and the safety of their athletes. Uh, they have to go kind. Of, they have to go a little extra um, with that. So the idea that you could call athletes back before it, the school was safe um, or before gathering in big groups was safe for the you know regular students or or, or the public at large. You know, that doesn't fly in college sports the way it might with, with professional sports, um, where those guys are getting paid pretty substantial salaries. So, yeah, you know, you, you can't have the football team, in my opinion, you can't have them on campus until you're ready to have other students on campus. Um, so, so, again, you know, positive, positive news that Syracuse is, is planning to have a normal fall um, or relatively normal. You know, Ken Severud said, hey, we're going to have to change some things. Dorms are a, a huge challenge, um, and, and finding ways to kind of isolate things um, and catch things early um, if they happen in dorms. Um, you know, he said they're going to have to spend the summer figuring out, a lot of the summer figuring out how to do that, um, but they are, figure, they are spending the summer figuring out how to do that. Um, so uh, good news, good news for Central New York because we all – you know, we know how important sports are around here, and we know how important the students are to kind of the local economy. Chris, uh, great to hear your voice. Hope everybody is safe and healthy these days. Uh, can't wait to have another one of our cubicle conversations when we're all back at the office. But uh, in the meantime, hang in there, keep up the good work, and uh, we'll catch up down the uh, down the road, my friend. Yep, uh, stay sane and stay safe. <laughs> that's what, that's all you can do these days, right? Thank you, Chris.